welcome to the Million Vegan Grandmothers podcast and YouTube channel. And today I am so honored to have Sarah Bentley from Made in Hackney. And Sarah has a beautiful story of feeding people, not just feeding people, but teaching people how to feed themselves. And I think you've had well over 4,000 classes now and super happy to have you here. We're super happy to have you. I'm, I'm recording this in January of 2024 before our next convergence, which is Healthy Me, Healthy Planet. And Sarah's going to demo uh, how to make food for a lot of people at once, a big batch of food to feed a lot of people. So thank you for being here, Sarah. Such a pleasure. And I'm really humbled and excited by your mission to assemble a squad of a million vegan grandmothers. That's just fantastic. We're very much a matriarch at Made in Hackney. We're mainly women in our teaching pool and our team. We do have some guys in there as well. But um, yes, that mission of a million vegan grandmothers is really beautiful. And we'll make sure we spread that amongst our community because I'm sure there's many who would love to join you. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And, you know, grandmothers have been feeding the world forever. And, you know, so many of us have really fond memories of going to uh, have a special meal at grandma's house. So I believe that when the matriarch of the world and the feminine divine is back in full force in every corner of the world and healing and bringing people together in a love-based society instead of an infinite growth destruction society, we're going to see things change quickly. And we already are, Sarah. That's what you're doing at Maiden Hackney. So I would love you to elaborate a little bit more on what that means to you and how you can take every dish, every ethnic dish, and turn it into a vegan option. Mm -hmm. Okay, so to get people started, Made in Hackney is a charity and a community cookery school. We're based in Hackney in East London, but we actually have always worked all over the capital of London. More recently, we work nationally across the UK, and we also have a global program for global plant kitchens. We've always been about inspiring people to grow, cook and eat more plants because we knew that this kind of tackled so many multifold challenges that the diet that was good for people's health was also the diet that was best for the planet's health. And it was also a beautiful way of bringing communities together and building community through food. And so um, we set out on this mission in 2012 to try and tackle the climate crisis, health inequalities, and bring people together through this vehicle of vegan eating. Uh, back in 2012 in the UK, veganism was seen as quite niche. Um, it, a lot of negative feelings around veganism, that it was quite extreme and you couldn't possibly be healthy on a vegan diet. I mean, it's hard to imagine that was only, you know, 11 years ago with all the more positive information around now. But it really was quite a hostile environment to a vegan message. So we didn't really use the word vegan. We said plant based and we just said come and cook food that's healthy, affordable, that's good for the planet and it's good for you. And let's explore the various recipes and cuisines of our multicultural neighbors. So people are like, that sounds good. Let's go and do it. <laughs> That's how we managed to get our program, our courses, our classes 
into lots of different settings that traditionally were very um, resistant to a vegan message. So we worked in nurseries and schools. We worked with the NHS, with the public health department of Hackney, really very quickly within a few years of launching. And sometimes they'd say, oh, like halfway for a six week course, these classes are vegan, aren't they? And we'd go, well, you could call it vegan if you wanted to, but we call it inclusive and affordable and good for health and safety when there's tiny children cooking and there's not raw meat flying around. So we would always lead with the benefits at that point. And, you know, all the reasons why cooking only plants was a good thing, as opposed to telling people they should be vegan. And we found this landed really well with people and made them much more open and much more able to kind of embrace the dishes that we were cooking. So Hackney is a super multicultural borough. It's incredible. There's people of heritages from over the entire globe. And so if you're cooking in Hackney, you really have to represent that in your food education program. There's no point just doing very white Eurocentric dishes because it won't resonate with people. And also there was a bit of a feeling back then in the UK that vegan food was a white thing, which it totally isn't. And that's a ridiculous notion. And there's so much rich plant-based culinary heritage across the whole of the globe. But the media was really just highlighting certain very kind of clean eating white chefs in the vegan movement, which was really doing the movement a complete dis inaccurate. The Made in Hackney always made sure we were representing lots of Caribbean chefs, chefs from West Africa, from Mexico, Venezuela, you know, all the local people in our community we would invite to come and deliver cooking classes of their authentic cultural cuisine and we'd give them a bit of coaching of how to veganize it. We couldn't really find many actual vegan teachers back then. There was a bit of like coaching and you know this is how you could adapt this and adapt that and so everyone was learning together and it just worked really beautifully when we first started it was like will these classes work will people enjoy them will it actually make change and we could see people would come back the following week and say well you know I did make that dish with the beans and my husband did like it or I did give that dish to my child and she didn't even notice that the meat was missing. And so you just hear all these little anecdotes every week about how these quite major changes to people's diet that they perceived when they brought them in, they were actually fine if they were delicious. And then over time, we heard much more impactful stories. We heard people that had healed their type 2 diabetes by following the recipes in our classes and really living by that. The nutritional advice we gave children that had healed chronic bowel complaints and their parents were just at their wits end as to what they could do to get their child back into school and back into life really making radical diet changes based on the recipes they learned in our classes and the child going on to thrive i mean like we've been around for 11 years now so we have like so many stories of people changing their kind of health and their vitality because of their diet changes. And it's really beautiful. And it's those stories that really keep us going because it's not easy funding and running a small charity. So it's those um, that feedback from the community that keeps us going. Wow, it feels like your small charity has turned into quite a large community <laughs> of people that have a place mm -hmm. to go, a safe place to go to heal. And I'm sure that you've heard 
any stories which we would love to share on the grandmother's channel of personal healing that happened. It's one thing that we're doing in the new year after launching healthy me, healthy planet is the people that started eating plant-based and all of, well, most of maybe most, if not all their health issues went away. That must be a huge motivator to keep going that and seeing families um, gathering and having a place to actually share with a bunch more vegans. The vegan movement is really large in the UK, much larger than where I'm from in Alberta, Canada. It's kind of the Texas of Canada. That must be really amazing, connecting people with other vegans. It's it's wonderful. I mean, to be honest, a lot of the connecting we do, it's mostly people who aren't vegan, to be honest. Most of the people that walk through our doors are not vegan. And that's how we like it, because we're trying to kind of bring them on the journey and bring them on the path. So they're connecting to other people who have health challenges, other people that know they want to feed their kid better, but with challenging budgets, challenging times. It, it's It's, you know, something they're trying to get to so it's meeting people with sort of similar circumstances or similar life challenges and going on that journey together towards a healthier more planet-friendly diet we had a lovely lady in uh, we do a course specifically for people who are type 2 diabetics and um, she told us that just being in a room knowing that everyone was experiencing the same challenges all the women were of afro-caribbean heritage so we made sure the teacher leading the class was also of that heritage and the diet and the food in that class was appropriate for that kind of cultural palate and preference and we led the course with that and then in the middle if we said would you like to learn any other international cuisines and they said oh yes we'd all and everyone wanted to do some southeast asian dishes but because we began with the west african caribbean food it was familiar it felt like oh i could apply this to my life i can do this and one lady told us within three weeks her insulin levels had halved and she said she'd been trying to do that for years and years and years. And it was only after coming to our classes that that actually happened and she felt it was possible. And those kind of stories are just amazing. And they really give you the fuel and the energy to carry on because, yeah, funding it all. It's not cheap running a community cookery school. You know, a lot of facilities, resources. We take great pride in paying all of our teachers and paying them properly and sort of keeping all of that going constantly when funders like to fund something one week and something different the next and they're always looking for the new thing it's quite challenging so you need all those success stories and the community constantly telling you we need this we need this don't go away to keep you motivated to keep going mm, that's amazing so you have staff and volunteers i'm assuming and how large is the crew that's walking in and out of Maiden Hackney? And tell me a little bit about your outreach. You said you have an, uh, an international program as well. Mm -hmm. So when we started, it was me and one lady doing finance. And I was two days a week and she was one afternoon a week. And that was the team. Uh, we're now, uh, both of us are still around, me and Jay Shree, the finance officer. We're like the people that have been here the longest. So there's 14 people on the payroll. There's eight board members. There's about 75 freelance teachers with different cookery skills. And there's about 200 volunteers who normally about 50 at any time are very active. 
Um, so yeah, it's quite a big crew of people. Oh, and so you also do outreach. You also bring food yeah. to families. Mm -hmm. Yes, so we have a community food service. We started this as a response to the COVID-19 pandemic. We pivoted super quickly because we could see our cooking classes weren't going to happen and that people really needed emergency food support. So within about um, a week of realising COVID was real and it was happening and we were going to have a lockdown, we changed our whole service to a meal delivery service um, and we were delivering to 500 households within two weeks of starting that program by cycle courier, taking the meals to people's doors. And because we were a small organization, a nimble organization, we were able to turn ourselves around, fundraise and launch that within two and a half weeks. So actually most households, we were the only service they saw because all the other more mainstream services were taking a long time to sort their internal policies out, set up homeworking, you know, you know, turning around a council, turning around a huge like social services is a massive job. So we'd like gone woof, started delivering. And so we ended up being the frontline service in Hackney, where we were referring people to social services, ringing ambulances for people who you know, were suffering from the sharp end of COVID. So we were delivering meals, but we were actually delivering a daily point of contact for households in crisis, which when we set out, we kind of naively didn't quite realise we were taking on board that as well as delivering the meals. But it was it was amazing. You know, we we saved a number of lives where our um, delivery people literally saw people passed out on their kitchen floors and were able to like bring an ambulance. I mean, it was a it was quite a wild, it was quite a wild time for us. And it, it took a good month, six weeks for the other services to catch up and start start delivering. So that service we ran for three years. We intended to run it for three months. We delivered 200,000 free plant-based meals in that time, which for a charity our size, I'm really deeply proud about because to kind of keep fundraising for that when you never intended to do it was quite a challenge. We now, we've recently adjusted that program. It's now a batch cooking class where the community comes together and cooks together uh, 200 portions of food, which are then donated to local households and local food banks. So we've reduced the size, but we've made it a more communal learning experience that kind of fits better with our educational outcomes of the charity. So we've kind of evolved it into that type of service. But for three years, we were pumping out thousands of meals a week and delivering them all around the borough. Wow. Thank you so much for your work, Sarah. Thank you and your team and, <clears throat> and the, your entire community. So you're going to be showing us a batch meal at the end of January on our convergence. It will actually be Sarita. It will be Sarita Puri, not me, who was our head chef at the community meal service. She is much more talented in the kitchen than me. So you're going to get a much more um, a slick experience learning from Sarita rather than me. But yeah, she's looking forward to delivering that session. But I know what she's going to do. So you could still ask me about it. <laughs> yes. What is she going to deliver? Hmm. So she's going to be talking through kind of tips and tricks for producing large meals at scale. She's going to be talking about specific equipment, 
challenges when cooking for hundreds of people, but on a domestic cooking setup, because that's what a lot of people end up doing. Uh, she's going to be talking through certain vegetables and dishes that work really well for cooking bulk in speedily and certain vegetables to avoid because of the prep time. And um, she's going to be talking through tips and tricks for dealing with things speedily. So something like a butternut squash, how to handle that very quickly, as opposed to handling it in a way where you're kind of sawing the skin off forever. So she's, she's re it's really about efficiency, how to cook at scale and kind of elevate your skills from what you what are fine in your domestic kitchen at home. It's fine if you do that with a butternut squash for you and your family of four. But if you're doing that for 200 meals, that's just not going to work. So, yeah, she's going to kind of elevate people's skills so that they can think smartly about what type of meals work when cooking for hundreds of people and what really don't. Because some of our chefs that came in to cook for the meal service, you know, they were choosing meals and dishes that were very challenging to produce at scale quickly and so we soon learned there were certain do's and don'ts and so she's going to be sharing all of that knowledge while also cooking a delicious meal that pe people can cook along with that's fantastic you know people are really going to appreciate that that's what I teach in my food classes that I teach in smaller groups and it it's kind of mind-boggling for people because a lot of people have the mind frame that I don't have time to make food and, you know, just a few tricks and you do, you know, whether it's throwing something in the oven whole with some water to roast. So you don't have to play around with it till after it's cooked exactly. much easier and a food processor. And, you know, I go, there's my carrots and celery, you know? So the appreciation of a little bit of technology, like an S blade food processor, a big roast pan, and um, and a lot of love. I mean, the main ingredient in feeding people and is love. And I have been asked to attend the Vegan Women's Summit and maybe put a table out to represent the million vegan grandmothers. It's in LA oh, this that's year. Fantastic. Yeah, it's in LA this year on the 9th and 10th of May. And I would love to consult with you because one of the things that I was thinking is the is for people to bring their favorite grandmother's dish and veganize mm. it. And we have a taste contest, you know, from different ethnic backgrounds. And it seems like you have a wealth of knowledge in that. So that would be a lovely thing if I could consult with you and your, your chefs and, and the people that have come together. So thank you for that. The one thing that I really uh, admire about what you're doing is you keep fine tuning your work. And one of them is delivering to a lot of people is very time consuming and labor intensive, but to bring the community to you, the people that can come and prepare their own meals for their family is truly empowering. Do you also have a garden program at this point? Have you started any uh, urban gardens? No, we don't. We, we do teach food growing in our kitchen, but we've never been lucky enough to have a venue with a substantial garden attached. We have a garden now, but it's very shady. It's under some really majestic, mature sycamore trees. So we're growing some herbs, but we do teach food growing. We have a very particular approach to food growing. We teach people how to cook, how to, to cook, to grow, cut and come again salad, uh, herbs, um, microgreens, and sprouting in jars. 
And the idea that, and tomatoes, and we keep it to this because the idea is if you have a sunny windowsill, a balcony or a tiny garden, you should be able to achieve these things. Now, there is some shocking housing in London that has no windows, no natural light. So actually, some of the people that come really can't achieve these things. But mostly with this kind of approach, this lesson, people can go home and emulate it. When we first started, we took people to community gardens and did a whole, here's how you grow food, crop rotation, compost bins. We did the whole thing. And actually, it's only useful for people who are lucky enough to have a big garden. So we actually stopped doing that type of session and made it very tabletop based. So it's a food growing class that we can deliver in the kitchen that most people will find accessible and relatable. And that's the type of food growing that we teach to, to get people off the ground, you know, to lift people off. So they're not like, oh, my goodness, this is overwhelming. You know, it's stuff that they can genuinely do at home. You did ask me about our national program and our global program, and I, I failed to answer you, um, but I'm going to answer you now. We okay, have, I'm um... just going to interject one thing before you do that. And thank you yes, for sure. sprouting and, and microgreens and how easy it is. I often have a jar of sprouts on the counter and it's, I live uh, in a winter climate. And so thank you for teaching how easy that is. We have a really great distributor here, um, Mum Sprouts, M-U-M-M-S, um, sprouting.com here in Canada, uh, all, all organic sprouts. And so it's great to empower people to grow a little bit of fresh food in the cold seasons and to let them know that, you know, just that, that jar of sprouts, that little bit of compost can go a far way. So thank you. And yes, your international program. Um, so the we have a national program called Plant Prospects. It was called Plant Futures, but we didn't register it in time. And another other fabulous organization has registered that name. So we've changed it to Plant Prospects. This started off life as a national tour of the UK. Uh, my colleague picked 10 cities around the UK where she was going to tour a plant-based food inspiration workshop where they would gather food power players from that region. And that might be people who headed up community groups, people who were the head of catering firms, people in charge of procurement or, you know, uh, councils, universities, hospitals, people who impacted the dietary choices of thousands of people. And she chose the cities based on either that it was um, a great market for this or it currently was massively underserved and had really bad stats to do with health inequalities, food access, and had no vegan movement at all. So she chose a mixture deliberately to see what the impact could be and what the needs would be in these sort of different regions. And it was a fabulous program. And when people left, they made sorts of pledges like all of our programs now are going to be plant-based or all the desserts on our menu are going to be plant-based or 50% of my menu is going to be plant-based. And then she went back in and checked in with these people to see if they delivered on their you know, goals at the end of the workshop. So she's since repackaged this because that particular piece of funding ended. And she's now working with a mixture of uh, civic societies like councils and schools and corporate business to try and pull the levers of moving people to a more plant-based diet across a range of sort of influencing societies. So she's building that program now and is working with councils and schools and some corporate clients. And we 
produced a plant-based burger for a pub chain called Fuller's Pubs. They didn't want to use um, overly processed meat uh, substitute product. They wanted something from fresh ingredients. And we developed it. Sarita, actually, who's going to do the batch cooking, developed the whole food burger for them. And uh, it's now on their menus across the UK. So that's just an example of one of the projects. Yeah. Then Lauren? we have the global projects. That's Lauren. global plant kitchens. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I was just saying such a large outreach. Thank you for your work. Yes. It, 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 the tentacles spread far and wide. <laughs> they do. Um, the Global Plant Kitchens program, we launched it last year. It's an online training resource that's free that consolidates Made in Hackney's 10 years worth of learning into an online training course. Now, of course, we have much to learn constantly, every day, every minute. Um, but we're putting everything we have learned on a free portal to hopefully accelerate a movement of similar organizations around the world who don't have to hopefully learn everything from scratch like we did. So the website's globalplantkitchens.org. You can download the course. It's free to do. And then we're mentoring groups in Peru, in Macau, in across the UK, and we're looking for some other international locations of groups of people or single people that know they want to set up a vegan community cookery school. And we will give them a year of free mentoring to kind of make sure that program happens. So, yes, we're looking for some more uh, participants for that program right now. That's great. I would love to bring Canada in. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, thank you. Any final words of inspiration for people wanting to start their own vegan cookery school? And also, how can people that are listening right now support you, including the grandmothers? What are you looking for in regards to um, continuing what you're doing, even just continuing what you're doing? It's massive. And we, because of our name made in Hackney, um, it can feel quite local. So anything you can do to spread the word on social media or within your networks, that there's a vegan community cookery school with online classes that you can participate in would be fantastic. If anyone's feeling like they've got deep pockets, financial donations are always amazingly and deeply appreciated and they get used very respectfully and responsibly. And also, we sometimes have roles for online volunteers, so people can volunteer for us just in an online capacity. So sort of supporting us in any of those ways would be absolutely beautiful. Our website's madeinhackney.org. You can check us out there, Made in Hackney on Instagram. So just, yeah, spread the word and uh, check out the Global Plant Kitchens course, because if you're thinking of doing something, that's a really good starting point. And you can start working your way through the resources and decide whether this is for, for you or not. Excellent. Well, there's a lot of grandmothers in our community, uh, Liz Gary, one of them, and many other contributors who love to teach food. Liz Gary is coming out with a new book called um, A Black Belt in Tofu. And she teaches uh, every fantastic. kind of group, fish and chicken, beef and pork, but all made with tofu. So we're, um, we're looking forward to that book. And thank you, Sarah, for your work again. And 
if you're listening to this podcast before our convergence, please join Maiden Hackney as they do a demonstration and give us lots of tricks in how to cook bulk because that is the way our world is going. We will eliminate hunger. We are on our way to knowing that there is enough food to feed the world seven to 14 times over if we use it to grow plant food to feed people. And when you find a healthy person, then they're ready to give back. So thank you for providing so much health for so many people so that they can provide help for the animals and the planet as well. And the grandchildren of all species. Thank you for being part of that.